Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up, everybody? This is the Tailgaters Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Borba. He's your permanent co-host, permanent guest host, Sergio de la Esperia. And we are here to talk to you about the craziness that has happened in college football. Sergio, college football has never been crazier. I think that's fair to say. Um, the coach's carousel is just spinning off the rockers right now. People are flying everywhere. People, teams are getting broken up with. People are transferring. What is your thoughts? Well, I don't think it's, it's the craziest it's ever been. It's definitely the most. It's definitely the most shocking it's ever been. I will say that. Like it's, it's most definitely like, um, like a, oh wow, I didn't see this coming. But there's been some crazy stuff. Like, are we forgetting the fact that a Texas assistant, his girlfriend who he left his family for who is a stripper whose monkey bit a kid like that's, that's crazy we gotta come on dude i don't think i don't even think it's the craziest part of this mo- season let alone college football but it is unexpected like it is wild. getting a bad rap i'm just saying i think i think the monkey is like <laughs> it's like the harambe situation the monkey always gets blamed. monkey always gets blamed. Mm-hmm. free the pride yeah. yeah listen i think i think we we waited a while Mostly for the playoff rankings, because we're recording this close to eight o'clock Eastern time on a tu- on Tuesday night. Um, but I'm kind of glad we waited because there's so much that happened. Um, wh- where are we starting, Borba? What, what jo- I'm assuming we're starting with coaching. And what job do you want to talk about? Don't feel like we have to go chronologically because that would put Florida and Billy Napier first. And as much as I want to talk about Billy Napier and yeah. how scare money don't make money. I don't think it's the biggest story. As much as I want to make your day (laughs) pretend like Billy Napier to Florida is the biggest thing that happened. Unfortunately, it is not to the rest. Because it is. Because it is. Because it is. But to everyone else in the world. (laughs) I don't even think to everyone in Florida, dude. Like, like it happened. The Florida fan base is happy. I am very happy. We'll talk about that later. But we got bigger things to get to The biggest story of the week is Lincoln Riley taking the USC job. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but on our rundown, um, he told Scott Van Pelt that he spoke very early. He spoke with USC very early in the morning Sunday, and then it was just like a split decision. Like he was just like, "Bet I'm going to USC." Because the couple days prior to the Oklahoma State game, the Bedlam game, he adamantly said, which he didn't lie about, so everybody can hop off his back. He said he is not going to be the LSU coach. No, 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 no. You, you, you got it. We got to be specific with it because when he said it is also very important. It was in the press conference after Bedlam, after they lost to Oklahoma State, and it was a reporter that started a question, and he cut him off, and he said, "Let me cut you off. I will not be the next coach at LSU." Is everyone understood? Next question. That's that's the that's direct right. quote after the game. So as late as. 11 p.m. Eastern Sergio, on Saturday night. How many night. people asked about him being the head coach of USC? Well, it's, it's because we weren't in that I'm press conference. <laughs> um, but yeah, so apparently, allegedly, I'm going to throw out the word allegedly because I feel like this has been a deal in the making, and I just don't think that we really thought about it mm-hmm. because the media, screw the media, hate them. Um, <laughs> just kidding. We're the worst. Yeah, we're the worst. Uh, the, the media <laughs> was really pushing Lincoln Riley to LSU. That was the big push. It was Lincoln Riley, if he's leaving, he's going to LSU or maybe Florida as dark horse. It was never, he was never going out West. It was always LSU. It was possibly Florida. Okay. And they made sure 
to ask him about LSU, did not bring up USC, and all of a sudden, at the spur of the moment, he was offered a deal that he couldn't refuse, which I will bring up the deal in a little bit because, honestly, I'd move away from my family from that deal, for that deal. I would move to Alaska (laughs) or something for that. Like, ship me away because that Mm -hmm. was a hell of a deal. Um, First of all, I want to preface this whole discussion that we're about to have with, I don't think there's a right way to leave your coaching job because either way it's it's a tough yeah, situation agreed. you're leaving these kids you're leaving you're selling these recruits a lie basically but you you have to like build that relationship because as we've seen all these kids that were committed to Oklahoma are no longer committed to Oklahoma because they were committed to Lincoln Riley and so now a lot of them have already they've already committed yeah. or they've been crystal ball to USC so Sergio what are your thoughts on this Lincoln Riley move to USC before I break down the deal um I think to fully understand the Lincoln Riley deal Riley to USC, we have to understand the dynamics of the LSU coaching search. I think there's a good reason as to why so many respectable, credible media members of the college football media were so adamant that if Lincoln Riley left, it wasn't a for sure he was leaving. It was an if he left, it would be to LSU. And I think it's because of Scott Woodward's very public um, declaration as to their approach for their next football coach. He said, Scott Woodward is a man who is known for getting the splashy big name hire. He, he likes to overpay for experience rather than take a gamble on an up and comer. Um, and because of that, he went after, and these are all people that are confirmed that LSU at the very least had conversations with, maybe they didn't get very far, but they had conversations with um, Jimbo Fisher at AM, who Scott Woodward hired when he was the athletic director at Texas A&M. He's the one that brokered that insane deal, um, which now in hindsight isn't really that insane. Um, but we'll talk about the Lincoln Riley's deal later. Um, he doctored that move from FSU to Texas A&M for Jimbo. So Jimbo, um, James Franklin, who parlayed it into another extension at Penn State, which his 10-year extension is insane, but... It's basically a two-year extension masquerading as a 10-year extension. If you look at the buyout differences, um, they're decreasing buyouts per calendar year. So just look it up if you're interested, but it's really a two-year extension. You should think of it that way. So Jimbo, James Franklin, Mel Tucker, who got my, my dog got the bag. Good for him. Um, he parlayed that into an extension. And then Lincoln Riley. Those are four big name coaches who have respectable, credible resumes, Tucker, the least of the, of the bunch, but at the very least, you know, he's showing that he can do it, um, at, at a big level. I mean, he was ranked as high as third in the college football playoff pool this season. Um, those guys, LSU struck out on. So you're looking at LSU and then you have LSU as a program, which I'll blend in Florida a little bit. Billy Napier was literally an hour down the road from LSU. So, their situation is very much, we're not going to look at, we're not going to hire that guy from the directional Louisiana school um, because the belief was that they were kind of above that. You know, Billy Napier was not the first or second choice on their list. Whereas Florida, Billy Napier is the first name on that list. Um, there's report that there's reports that Brian Kelly um, called Florida with the Florida opening and had interest in it. And Florida turned him away and decided to just pursue Billy Napier, which as a Florida fan, it makes me so happy. Because I'm, I am all in on Billy Napier, um, but we will talk about Brian Kelly because he's going somewhere else as well. We'll talk about that afterwards. 
So all of these different coaches, um, these are all the different coaches that LSU whiffed on. So they're kind of, you know, they get turned away by Lincoln Riley because Lincoln Riley, I truly believe, didn't intend or want to leave Oklahoma. I really do believe he is a guy from West Texas. He was born in Lubbock. He played West Texas high school football. Um, he played it. Um, he played at Tech, didn't he? Right. He uh, played he at played Tech, some, I think. He played. He's some. in that air raid tree. He's in the. He's in the air raid tree. So I'm gonna assume Tech. Uh, he there and then he started coaching right away, you know, and he ends up at Oklahoma. He's a young head coach in his 30s and blah, 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 blah. So I don't really think he wanted to leave. I just think that the Godfather offer was so massive and the opportunity to bring a program like U- USC. We've said it for years, right? Whenever we talk about the top five, top 10 programs in the country, USC is always on that list and it's always near the top because you, Borba, live out in the state of California. You know exactly what the the kind of talent that the entire state provides, but specifically Los Angeles and how much of a talent hub that is. And if you can dominate the West Coast, if you can be that one brand east, um, if you can be that one brand west of the Mississippi, west of Texas, west of the Rockies, that can legitimately be powerful and land all of that talent. I mean, there's been so many players that have left California and gone to Clemson and gone to Alabama and gone to Oklahoma, and and it's because there haven't USC hasn't really been popular hasn't really been a thing since the days of Matt Leiner and and Reggie Bush and Pete Carroll and, and in the mid 2000s this is something that can really bring USC back you and I both instantly in multiple group chats with friends of ours said oh this is it like Mario Cristobal it was a great run you had at Oregon it's over my guy I love you Mario you are a South Florida guy Hispanic man I'm all in on you that's my guy I love him it's over my dog it's over. You got to start thinking about your next move because recruiting just got a whole lot more difficult in the West Coast and you in know, the Pac-12 okay. specifically. I think the perfect analogy for the Pac-12, you know, I think it's Cleveland, the Cleveland Guardians, I think they're now called, formal, formerly the Cleveland Indians, the baseball team. Yeah, the baseball team. They're, yeah. I think, seventh inning entertainment, the freeze, catch the freeze or whatever, where you get to like run like 100 yards and mm-hmm. then the... No, oh, that's the okay. Braves. That's the Braves in Atlanta. Freeze. Okay. It's the so freeze, you know but it's the Braves. The free, you get to run, say, 100 yards or whatever, like 100 feet before the freeze gets to take off. That is the, the perfect analogy for the Pac-12 mm-hmm. because they had a decade. Someone, it could have been Oregon, it could have been Washington, it could have been UCLA, I don't care. Utah, throw them in there. They had a decade mm-hmm. to supplant themselves atop the Big 12, like murder the USC brand, like make USC like as irrelevant as it possibly could be. And Lincoln Riley... Plant right. the flag Lincoln, and assert your dominance. That's what they could have done. And the closest team to do that was right. Chris Peterson's Washington teams. Exactly. But it couldn't sustain it Riley is now the freeze, and he is now catching them. You you see the finish line, and Lincoln Riley, mm-hmm. a.k.a. the freeze, just caught you. And now I'm pretty sure USC will go back to running the Pac-12. Honestly, this is a I, – I think a lot of people are ignoring this point, and they're, or they're joking about it. Lincoln Riley reportedly was never consulted about the move to the SEC – and even when it happened after, he was apparently not a fan of it. And so I think that's a major fact. USC is just the mm-hmm. better, easier job. Because why would you want to compete against, uh, excuse me, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, LSU every every year just to win your own conference? And Texas. Well, let's let, let's ask. Here's the thing. Let's ask. You're being so nice to yourself but, with Texas. <laughs> so I'm just no, 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 but but I think I think that's a good point to make, and and I, and I want to push back a little bit because I I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I just want to explain because there's so many people that that I've heard that have taken 
Lincoln Riley choosing USC over LSU as a, oh, he's ducking the SEC. No, no, no. I don't think he's ducking the SEC necessarily. I think he's making a smart business decision. I think if he can be, we've seen it in the ACC with Clemson. If he can be the one dominant team in a conference that isn't the best conference, I think his path to a playoff is pretty easy. I mean, we've seen it with his Oklahoma teams. His path to the playoff has been fairly easy compared to everyone else. Like, just the SEC West right now includes Alabama, Auburn, um, Ole Miss, who has 10 wins this season, uh, Texas A&M, which is flooding with money. Like, those are four teams right there. LSU, those are five teams that could generally, any given year, win 9 to 10 games. Easily. Easily given the recruiting and given the infrastructure that they have in, in, in that division. Why not go out to California? Why not go out to UC, what to USC, excuse me, to Los Angeles to, to set up and basically do what he did at Oklahoma, but in a better environment <laughs> and with more talent um, at his disposal. Honestly, you know what I mean? I, this is nothing against Norman, Oklahoma. I've never been, have no desire to go. Um, I have been. It is a nice, cute town. My brother's an alumnus of Oklahoma. I went to visit him once. It's not for me. My brother loves it. I can understand why people would like that kind of town feel. It's personally not for me. Um, but I understand why someone would want to leave that area and go over to Los California nice. and Los Angeles. Um, there is a lot of traffic, but I'm having a feeling he won't have to worry about that. Let's just dive into I think I think there's traffic for the poor people, and by poor I just mean anyone that's not right. making what you're about to well, describe. This is, Lincoln breakdown, Riley's salary um, this is the suspected uh, contract for Lincoln Riley. Um, they don't have the exact details, but this is the whereabouts, the numbers that they're feeling it will be reporting. So he's getting 110 million dollars, already a lot of money. Um, that's do we know how um, long it does the not say for? yet? I'm assuming it's going to be like. Because I've seen the number out there, but I don't. I haven't seen a year, so I, I don't know how much a year per yet. season. I'm assuming it's going to be in the like seven to ten range, though. Okay. Um, USC buying both I of agree. his homes in Oklahoma, which I don't know why you need more than one home, but sure, why not? Um, they're buying them and then they're selling them for five hundred thousand dollars over the asking price for whatever reason, just to get him more money, because that money is going to go directly mm -hmm. to him. Yeah, um, and they're they're doing. It's basically it's basically a creative way to get him a bonus right. and, without and saying it's a bonus. They're doing the work, so he literally has not to do nothing. Um Correct. He's also they're also giving him a six million dollar home in Los Angeles, which that's gonna be a crazy home. Um it's probably gonna be in a good neighborhood. He'll probably get to pick mm -hmm. wherever his eight year old and four year old daughters get to go to school, which also I think is another factor. I think Los Angeles is just a better place to raise a family than Norman, Oklahoma. I think I think he I think there were a lot of things that went into this decision that exactly. were not football. And then the caveat I'll of it all, that. because obviously we can't have our boy Lincoln Riley driving or flying coach. He has, he has unlimited <laughs> access to a private jet 24 seven for him and his family. So you need to take a quick trip to Hawaii or take a quick run to Norman because you forgot some shoes there. Hop on the jet. It's, it's there. <laughs> You know what that is? You know what that is? Hey, I saw this recruit that was in New York. Uh, I'm just going to take my yeah. wife and kids with me it's while a, I'm at it. That's what that is. <laughs> um, honestly, great move exactly. for Lincoln Riley. Um, How do you turn that down? Like, who in I their right mind like, turns that down? have been tweeting at me. They've been texting me. They're, like, understandably mad. I think it's upsetting that he... 
Oh yeah, dude. No, I, more than mad. My brother is a diehard Oklahoma football fan. Diehard Oklahoma yeah. fan. Period. Regardless of sport, he is distraught. Like he is. He feels. Oh, yeah. He feels abandoned. Uh, like um, and it and honestly, like he's right. He has every right to feel that way, it, and it, it sucks. Like that. This is the way that that things happen, and that the college football coaching landscape has evolved to a point where we see this and we like are a bit numb to it. But he quite literally lost the a rivalry, the second biggest rivalry for Oklahoma on Saturday, lost the game. And by lunchtime the next day, he was the coach at USC. Like that sucks, not just for the fans and everything, but especially the players yeah, and the guys awesome. that are there, you know, and the recruits that aren't the the five stars that can that can decommit. And of course, USC is going to make room for them kind of thing. What about the three stars that grew up wanting to play for Oklahoma their whole life and they're from you know, Northern Texas or in, in Oklahoma. And, and, and now that, you know, the school that they committed to is not the exact, it's not the same program that they signed up for, you know, the freshman who just went for a full year, Lincoln Riley, 12 months ago, sat in their living rooms and said, yeah, I'm here for the long term. We're going to go to the SEC together, blah, 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 blah. And now he's gone. Like that sucks, man. And I really feel for the players and, and Oklahoma as a, as a fan base and as a school and all of that, man, it, that it sucks. I want your thoughts on because the first one, is understandable. I mean, mm-hmm. I've been I've been in denial before. I mean, I live in denial as a Texas fan. Um, <laughs> um, but Oklahoma <laughs> has been posting banners and signs all over campus, and this one was interesting. Um, it says seven titles without Lincoln Riley, five Heisman's without Lincoln Riley, one Oklahoma without Lincoln Riley. Oklahoma football isn't defined by Lincoln Riley, so that was interesting. Um, I think that's that's like the beginning stages of grief. Like we're, this is where you're like, I didn't need them. Okay, like we were better without them. Like he took them to three playoff appearances. Um, he he had the he won a high or helped Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray win a Heisman. He brought them Jalen Hurts. He brought them Caleb Williams, Spencer Rattler, and all these guys that are leaving the program. He brought them there. And then the other thing that was interesting was mm-hmm. USC's in, or Twitter Instagram, excuse me, posted a picture of Lincoln Riley and then a quote that said, this is going to be the Mecca of college football. Okay. Whatever. Like he's hyping up the new program defense alignment, Isaiah Thomas, not to be confused with former Boston Celtics, Isaiah Thomas or former Detroit Pistons, bad boy, Isaiah Thomas, defense alignment, Isaiah Thomas (laughs) said, he told us that last week he commented that. And then one of the other players, Nick Hendricks said, LOL. So there's definitely bad blood. Um, Apparently the room, the room, the rumor on yeah, the I mean, is, listen, not not every not, breakup is very easy. The rumor on the grapevine is, is that when he told the team, it was like a two-minute discussion of like, hey, guys, I'm proud of you. Keep your grades up. Uh, we can't be in contact anymore. And then he left. <laughs> it's allegedly anywhere from a two- to five-minute yeah. conversation, which, again, there's no right way to do it. Uh, we saw Brian Kelly. His conversation was only 11 right. minutes. So, I mean, I think I think it's just awkward. What's it? What's he gonna? What's he gonna do? Stand there? I mean, like they're they're mad at you and they don't like you. to begin with. Just get out of there, dude. Like, say what you got to say and, and leave. I don't. I don't blame them for doing those short the Titanic theme song in the background of, of all of our special moments. <laughs> no, I do not want that. Moments? Okay, absolutely not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Listen, hey, and no, go ahead. Go, no, go I was ahead. gonna I'm move sorry. on to the next big hire. So go ahead with your thought. Okay, cool. So before before we finish, just a little bit of humor. Did you see the picture of him standing like on the? I think it was a practice field on the campus, um, and he's got like a football holding a football, and he's got the USC polo. Did you see his shoes? I did, I did see some rumors that he was still rocking the Oklahoma Jordans. 
he he was still <laughs> rocking the Oklahoma Jordans. It was it was very clearly not the same shade of red as USC's. It was very clearly that Oklahoma oh shade of red. Um, and he, he I, had the jump man and and I'm sure if the pants were pulled up a little more, we might see the little OU logo on the on the I, uh, on the some, tongue of the sneakers, man. I've seen it was some like Twitter conspiracies of color splotches, and apparently Oklahoma red and USC red are the same. USC just looks darker because it's yellow. They have oh. yellow with it, so if you're, yes, they're matched I mean, with yellow. Okay, all right. Well, I'll I'll cut him some slack then. But let me tell you, it definitely looked like they were the Oklahoma Jordans. Hey, I, I will Jordan say that, like man. Sister companies or something. So there there is no reason for him to throw out a nice Jordan. Okay. <laughs> so now we'll mm-hmm. move on to mm-hmm. we'll go to to the second biggest hire. I think um, this is LSU. I. As bad, as bad as I want to go to Florida, it looked like LSU was going to be caught floundering, like caught dry, because like you, like we mentioned before we dove into Lincoln Riley, everybody was going everywhere but LSU. And so I think it's important that they got Brian Kelly. Mm-hmm. I think it's odd that they got Brian Kelly, but then I also saw a post and it reminded me that Brian Kelly left Cincinnati when they were like 12 and up. So to go to Notre Dame. Well, okay, yeah, but I think it's also different that at the time, Cincinnati was, I believe, in the Big East. They right. weren't even, it wasn't so even like, the American. It, it was just the Big just, East. Um, and it was very, and like, you yeah. you leave for Notre Dame. Like, as much as I joke about Notre Dame and I have a running bit, like, you leave Cincinnati in the Big East in 2000, whatever, to go be the head football coach of Notre Dame. That's just what happens. Sorry, that's the way it goes. Um, Yeah, so Brian Kelly is now the coach at LSU. Um. My instant reaction to this was, huh? And it's because we're talking about a program and a university that does recruiting in a way that doesn't align with Brian Kelly, the Irish Catholic from Massachusetts, um, holier than thou, pun intended. Um, I do things the right way, very similar to Jim Harbaugh being like a Michigan man, right? Like the honesty, the the um the integrity which is great and that's fine and i i not a knock i think more power to them if you can recruit at a high level even without doing some bag dropping or some allegedly stuff then more power to you but let me tell you right now you know who's down the hall at lsu from brian kelly it's a man by the name of will wade okay will wade does not operate in the way that brian kelly is used to operating I, i saw something on twitter where someone said um they basically hired a cop to go down there and run a bunch of like hooligans. Like it is the why it is going to be the wild, wild west recruiting in the sec, especially going up against Alabama, especially going up against um, the first federal bank by the name of Georgia, especially going up against a and M going up against all these big time programs that are going after the exact same recruits in the exact same area. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for him. It, okay. um, I hear you. I, I think, think it'll be tough. I think it'll be an adjustment mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Obviously, it's a different breed of like football down there in the South. But I also think I think we need to like mm-hmm. give him credit for the amount of talent he's brought in to Notre Dame. Given because absolutely, I'm looking, I'm looking at the, G, the GPA requirements of Notre Dame right now, and you need to have at least an unweighted GPA of a 4.0 unofficial to get into the school. Okay, a 4.0 mm-hmm. in high school eliminates practically. 80% of all these high school recruits. No offense to them. They're just. I, I will say this. That's that's the general mm-hmm. acceptance. They make it a little more lenient for athletes, but not to the yeah, level of what an LSU, LSU or an in, Alabama does. 
you still probably need like a 3-0 to, to go to Notre Dame on right. an athletic you still scholarship. Need a very high GPA that basically eliminates 70 to 80% of the, the athletes that are coming out of these high schools. So the as, as, exactly. especially at the four so or five the fact that he's level, had yeah. multiple playoff experience or uh, yeah multiple playoff appearances i think is phenomenal i think he will do great at lsu um i think he's gonna have to like readjust his like core values a little bit um like you said lsu is just a different it's a different place we got will wade who's throwing the bag at people um it and, yeah, and like, then bragging about it. it he was not <laughs> hiding it um brian kelly i think he'll I think he'll no. do fine. Um, it was a. I think I think Brian Kelly will do well at LSU. It's just I'm not so sure if he's going to be able to get the same leeway that he had at at Notre Dame. And what I mean by that is a lot of people forget this. Yeah, Notre Dame has won ten games for the past five seasons, and that's fantastic. But before that, he had a four and eight season um, at Notre Dame, and before that, he was going eight and four, seven and five, nine and three at the at best. He had a lot of time to really get it together at Notre Dame, and Notre Dame had a lot of patience. And he showed, and this is a this is to his credit, he showed his ability to wipe out his staff and be able to replace people and bring them in. That's some quality that not every coach has, Dan Mullen. <clears throat> but I think that that might not be something that he has enough time to do at LSU because the expectations are so high. They're absurd at LSU. The last three coaches at LSU have all won national championships. One is the greatest coach of all time in Nick Saban, and the other two were kind of laughing stocks, stocks throughout the SEC and throughout the country in um, in uh, Lee and uh, Coach O. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's one of those things where they're bringing in a quote-unquote adult, right? He knows how to run a program. He knows what he's doing. And that's why the hire has grown on me over the past couple of days. Um, I just don't know if it's going to be a click culturally to begin with, but I didn't think Nick Saban was a fit culturally to begin with. And he started winning football games and all of a sudden they love that. They love them that Yankee. So I think that they might love them that Yankee one more time. If he can win games, if he can land recruits um, and if he can kind of get this ship um, back on track within a year or two years, max, because again, the expectations at LSU are insane. Inheriting (laughs) a solid class. Like, even with Edo heading out the door, they have a couple mm-hmm. five stars. Um, also, like you mentioned, Edo and uh, Les Miles, they they allow. Okay, I said Lee. They I allowed said Lee, for some fault. hoodlumness. Okay, Brian Kelly will not allow any hoodlumness, and I think yeah. people are getting too caught up I'm... on culture of Louisiana, culture of LSU. Culture is winning culture. Okay, when you have when you win games your culture mm-hmm. develops when you lose games that's when you start noticing the the cultural flaws and if as long as he's winning games and keeping these guys bought into his system i think getting some of these athletes bought into his system will be a little difficult for him because he's very what's the white the right word i almost said white word <laughs> that works too <laughs> but um, <laughs> he's very he's very blunt he's very like straightforward and like I just think he's kind mm-hmm. of got this like attitude towards him where it's his way or the highway. And we saw Edo who was bringing in girlfriends to practice. He was like talking smack about Alabama. Like he, this is a different, different coach. And I think that's what LSU need. I think they need. Yes. I, I, I agree. I, I also want to, I want to preface and out for full disclosure. Um, 
LSU has had problems with the NCAA violations and Title IX situations with the Darius Guy situation and all that stuff. That has not been resolved yet. I think it's very interesting that, yes, all of this good stuff that we've been talking about, um, Kelly, I um, I think it's important to note that there was a couple of inc- incidents. He, he was not perfect at Notre Dame. There was the incident with the student assistant who was 20 years old that in a lightning and rainstorm, um, Kelly had him up on the top of the bleachers trying to film some um, film, get some film in and stuff. And the, the kid fell and he died. And it, uh, the in Illinois um, state government found them to be culpable, Notre Dame, and they got a slap on the wrist fine that. And on top of that, there was an instance with a player where the player was accused of sexual assault on a girl at St. Mary's. St. Mary's, if you don't know, is um, like uh, Notre Dame for the longest time was the boys' college. St. Mary's was the girls' college. St. Mary's still exists, and it still is an all-girls college, um, um, and it is nearby Notre Dame. And so apparently there was a situation where a football player sexually assaulted a girl at St. Mary's. Um, The Notre Dame athletic department and Kelly kind of did their best to keep it under wraps, and unfortunately... Um, the girl committed suicide. And so there's Kelly's not infallible. I want to point this out that he also had, does have his baggage. I know we're speaking very highly of the football aspect of this man, but um, I still think that LSU has some kind of red flags in terms of the culture that they breed down there. I hope that Kelly is able to improve that from what happened allegedly under Les Miles and at coach O. But I don't know. And so, yes, he's they hired a coach who's going to strengthen it, um, straighten things up in terms of uh, on the football side of things and getting order and, and hopefully the culture in that you know, sense. I have follow, one final you know? comment and concern about Brian Kelly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he basically invented yeah. in my lifetime, at least the two quarterback system. And the if you have two quarterbacks, you have none when he had the Deshaun Kaiser and uh, Malik Zaire issue. Former, former Gator, yep. I believe, yep. right? He, my league's my senior right, year was right. there for about six weeks. Yeah, yes, he, he was. <laughs> botched both of those guys. He had both of them, couldn't figure out which one was better, so he played both of them, and I believe that was the 4-8 and eight season, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah. I believe so, it was the 4-8 and eight season. And he's also the man who let um, oh, yeah. Phil Dracovich hey, but walk had, on over to Boston had, College. Had Tyler Buckner, so. or had Tyler Buckner waiting in the wings. Um, it's okay. Brian Kelly got his new job. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's time to talk about the biggest hire, probably in your eyes, your personal eyes, um, your personal life. My personal eyes, yes, yes. I, I can be, I can be unbiased. You're just excited. Or, but I can be wrong with being excited. Um, Billy Napier from Louisiana, <laughs> the University of Louisiana Lafayette, formerly known, Raging Cajuns. Um, he took the Florida job, and I'm very excited for the Florida program. Um, I think he is the hottest name on, we talked about this and at first you lost me, but then I realized what like factored in that, like everybody that we thought was on the market wasn't really like on the market and people who were off were technically on the market. Correct. Listen, my, my phrase of Billy Napier is the best coach on the market still stands true. We were not expecting link, um, link Kiffin. We were not expecting, um, Lincoln Riley to quite literally Boomer Sooner his way out of Oklahoma. For those of you that don't know, by the way, it's Boomer Sooner because when the Native American territory that was Oklahoma was open to um, basically to Americans, um, they were going to say that, oh, at midnight, 
were going to go in and you can basically claim any spot of land that you wanted. Um, and the people who waited until midnight and followed the rules were the rules were the boomers because they waited for the boom to go in. There's a lot of people that just kind of hopped the fence early and went over there. They are the Sooners. That's why they're boomer sooner. So um, Lincoln Riley really soonered his way yes. on out of Oklahoma. We were, we didn't know he was a coach. He was available. So if he was available, obviously right. he's the best coaching candidate best. on the market. But he wasn't on the market. So I stand Napier. by I stand by my Billy Napier. He's your new coach, your new head ball coach, um, and a, a class mm-hmm. act. I think um, he's going to finish out the season with Louisiana. They have at least well, they have not at least. That's a stupid statement. They have two more games: their conference championship game against Appalachian State, and then mm-hmm. whatever bowl game they make could be a New Year's Six. To be honest, which what a great way to go out that would be if it is. You're such a Western. You're such a West Coast guy. Appalachian not, State. It's not Appalachian. Appalachian. We're in, said from Appalachia. I knew this was going to be an issue. Come on. <laughs> But tell me why you're excited. <laughs> give give us a breakdown. Um, I'll I'll give you a few a few like don't don't go don't. Go. <laughs> so I've 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 had I've had this conversation with multiple friend groups over the past few days because I I have a couple of friends that are not sold on Billy Napier and they don't think Florida Florida fan friends and they don't think that it's going to work out and they think it's we fired Mullen. Um, they they don't like the fact that we fired Mullen on one down year. Um, even though. In my opinion, it when in a lot of opinions, it was indicative of, of a larger problem. I think that the problems were were festering for a while. They just came to the surface this year. They don't like that we got we got rid of Mullen to go get someone unproven and this and that, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Which I understand their concern. But I think when you look at Billy Napier, not only as a candidate, but as a football mind, the man is very detail-oriented. I've been saying a lot lately that what Florida needs and what basically the next what well, college football has evolved, the, the role of college football coach has evolved from I can make these players look good on the field to I am the CEO of a corporation. There's so many things that go on with being a college football head coach nowadays that y- you can't just have like the old ball coach that can call plays, call them the dirt, you know, this and that, whatever. Bring some guys in, tell them we'll, we'll give them the ball, blah, blah, blah. That's not the way it works. They're in charge of recruiting. They're in charge of nutrition. They're in charge of organization. They're in charge of the schedule. They're in charge of the actual players. They're in charge of the staff. They're in charge of every single aspect of the corporation that is that football program. And in the case of Florida, Billy Napier, I think, is the right guy to do that. We have not had someone like that since Urban Meyer. Um, And before that, we had um, Steve Spurrier, who coached in a different era, um, and even Urban Meyer coached in a different era. He was very CEO-like, but he didn't become the full-fledged CEO-type coach until he got to Ohio State. And I think that's why he was able to have that kind of leave that success. There's a reason that Ryan Day stepped in and Notre Dame and Notre Dame, sorry, Ohio State didn't skip a beat because Urban Meyer laid that foundation down. We don't have that foundation at Florida at the current moment. Billy Napier is a guy that has. Um, he was the offensive coordinator for Clemson, right? And he got in that. He, the, famously, he got in a fight with Dabo Sweeney and then was fired. Um, he served under Nick Saban um, for a couple of years. He then went over to um, Arizona. Uh, then he went over to Colorado State, where he followed Jim McElwain. He was associate head coach there. Then he went to Florida State, and he was there for three weeks because when. Um, Nick Saban found out that he was back in the South and he was going to be the recruiting coordinator for Florida State. Let me say that again. He was going to be the recruiting coordinator for Florida State under Jimbo Fisher. 
let that sink in of how important this man is in recruiting. Nick Saban said, absolutely not. You're going to come work for me and be my recruiting coordinator. He's the guy that landed Calvin Ridley. He's the guy that landed Julio, Julio Jones. He's the guy that landed all of those Alabama players from the early 2010s to go to Alabama and set up the team for success. Like this is a man that is so entrenched and was so close to Nick Saban to, to learn that he's basically another Nick Saban. Now, let me rephrase it. That, there will never be another Nick Saban. He's the greatest head coach of all time. He does things in a way that no one else does. But I think the misconception we get with the quote-unquote Saban assistants is because the quote-unquote Saban assistants have been those scheme ball coach guys. They've hired people that are great coordinators that may not necessarily be built to be that CEO-type coach that needs to run a program. Billy Napier has been groomed to be that kind of guy. He wasn't a coordinator under Saban. He was simply an, an analyst. He was someone that was close to the program. He was watching and learning. And then when you go over to his tenure as the Louisiana coach for four seasons, he's won at least 10 games in each of those seasons. He's made four conference championship games. He's won one of them. He's going to be playing in his second this coming Saturday. Um, and his recruiting has gotten significantly better. And they say, and there's reports, and there's a great article in The Athletic from uh, about a month and a half ago about him profiling him. This man takes everything seriously. He itemizes and organizes every single thing. He is going to bring um, a culture of professionalism. I know that's ironic with college sports, even though we should pay them, but that's another conversation. He's going to bring an aura of professionalism and doing things the right way and, and that culture to Florida that has not been there. And I wouldn't even say it was there under Urban because, I mean, we had a lot of people, we had a lot of criminals that played for us, to, to put it bluntly, you know? I think it's going to be, I think it's a good hire. I think recruiting is going to take off. I think that he's going to surround himself with the right coordinators, with the right um, scheme people. And he's not going to be afraid to fire someone when they don't do a good job, when they don't agree and go according to the plan that he has laid out. Um, and he is going to be like an overseer. I have said before he is the quote unquote next Nick Saban. Um, but I just mean that in the way of, a great coach that's like, oh, wow, this guy knows how to run a program, right? Dabo runs a program like this. Nick Saban runs a program like this. Mario in Oregon runs a program like this. And you can see the trend of where things are going. I would much rather be in that category of teams than be in the category of teams that are have um, coach turnover every few years. I think, I think, and I hope, Billy Napier is the Florida coach for a long, 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 yeah, long think, time. I think you pretty much covered everything. Um I'll just say I, I think Billy Napier is the best option for you guys. Um, I think he's probably the best uh, lower tier college coach right now. Um, I I think the difference between Billy Napier and Tom Herman and Charlie Strong, because those are the two that stick out to me the most, just because those guys were the Billy Napiers of their time, is Billy Napier has had like they oh, were the okay. hottest names on mean. the market for like lower tier coaches. Mm -hmm. He... He's competed consistently right. with bigger schools. Uh, I think his attention to detail, he has no problem with culture. Both of those coaches struggled with cultural issues. Um, Charlie Strong, we had cultural issues. We didn't have people bought in. Uh, Tom Herman, same thing. And then we kind of had like a losing the locker room situation. He, he'll never, that'll never happen to him. Um, I think if he does struggle, it'll mm -hmm. be more of an X's and O's thing or like execution wise or something. Like, I don't think it's going to be, but but he's but he's a smart enough coach and a good enough 
CEO of a program that if it's not working with the X's and O's, he will find right. someone that'll make it work with you. The He's not afraid to fire like his you, friends. It just depends on if Florida's willing to give him that time, which obviously this is all hypothetical. I think he'll do fine. <laughs> this is all hypothetical if he'll get the mm -hmm. time. Like right now, right. He's inheriting, yeah. inheriting, excuse me, um, a pretty good situation. You guys have a solid roster. I think defense could sure up. There's some talent on the roster. I just think that I, I think he's inheriting a pretty, he's inheriting a project. This Florida okay. is not ready to compete next season. And, and they haven't, they haven't released the terms of his contract either. So we don't know how long or how much money he's making, but given from the, the aggressiveness, because there are reports that, Kelly wanted the Florida job and he and we turned him away. So given that and Strickland want really having Billy Napier be his. I think this is one of the few hires, maybe apart from USC, this cycle that people can say that when the, when the athletic director says, hey, this is um, this was our first choice and we got him. It's the I truth. I really believe that with with Billy Napier and with Florida Lincoln Riley next there. year, just like quite literally it's going to be the transfer portal is going to be your best friend um i think like texas florida needs to hit the transfer portal really hard there's thousands of recruits in it or, or thousands of players in it already guys that have college experience like hard nose like iowa state transfers oklahoma transfers um everything so that'll be interesting um we're going to move on to the next hire because there mm -hmm. there were some i just want one can i say i just want to say ahead. one last thing before we move I'll, on i'll allow it Nope. Scare oh money, God. don't make money. I wish I said Scare no. Scare money, don't um. make money. That's the vibe from okay. now on, baby. That's the mood. That's the that mood from the now mood. on. Um, that is your guys' all gas, no breaks thing. Um, can't wait. Can't wait for to hear that all the time. <laughs> uh, so TCU also got their head coach, which TCU's made some moves. Um, they got their head coach in, um, excuse me, Sonny Dykes. They also got Rashad Samples from SMU. They basically got the two best coaches slash recruiters from SMU. And then they brought in a guy by the name of Brian Carrington from USC, who was formerly of Texas, who was like a star recruiter. I think that's a huge get for TCU. Um, they suffered a huge loss. And Zach Evans, their five-star running back, that was the other running back in B. John Robinson's class. That was like, they were 1A and 1B. Um, he hit the transfer portal. Um, I think that's mm -hmm. a great hire for TCU. Uh, Washington also got their guy. Um, they went with the Fresno State coach, which is not who – that's kind of like we were joking about how it was going to be someone random, and I think we brought that up where it was like, oh, it might be the Fresno State coach, and it was him. Um, that's – And it ended up – I'm happy I'm happy about it. I'm proud yeah, of us, Borba, that we Caleb got DeBoer that one. I'm, I'm proud of us. DeBoer, I don't know how to say it. Bauer. Um, the Bauer, they got yeah. him. So now that basically leaves – oh, LSU got Brian Kelly. Okay, we mentioned that, obviously. So now that leaves LSU, mm -hmm. or excuse me, not LSU, Notre Dame. Excuse me. No. So I was I was going, I was going reverse. <laughs> Notre mm -hmm. Dame and Oklahoma. There's been, there's been so much turmoil in the past four days. It's okay. Notre Dame, You're and forgiven, Oklahoma my guy. Are open. And I think Notre Dame is the more attractive job right now, just because of Oklahoma is losing a lot, and they're losing a lot of recruits. They're losing a lot of players. They lost. Mm -hmm. On the roster, they lost Spencer Rattler. No surprise there. Um, they've lost their top three receivers, Marvin Mims, Theo Weiss, Jane Hazelwood, and Austin Stogner, their tight end. And then there's speculation that Marvin Mims is going to leave. And then Austin Stogner, their tight end. Um, there's also rumors that Caleb Williams might be following Lincoln Riley to USC. Who knows if that's true? 
And then they've also lost, I believe, seven recruits total um, from 2022 and 2023. And so Oklahoma is kind of in this place where if you were on the outside looking in or if you woke up from a coma and saw the disaster that is Oklahoma right now, you'd think they were like a Texas like travesty of a program. Like you would not think that they've been in the I don't I don't know if I agree with that. I, I just don't know if I would agree with that. Because yes, Oklahoma is is worse off today than they were Friday or even Saturday night after losing the game. But I don't think that the program is in shambles necessarily. I I really respect the people that are putting up those banners of um we were joking about it's the first stage of grief or whatever where you know, oh we did all this without Lincoln Riley, we can do it again because that's the kind of attitude and mentality that they should have. Oklahoma's a very storied program. Oklahoma has never had to do a search like this because every time that they've had a coach change, they've either they they have stepped down um or or they've just retired. Like They've had legendary coaches throughout. This is a program that has the infrastructure, that has the um, the support, both emotional and financial and um, logistic-wise, to succeed. And I think with some of the rumored coaches that are coming in, I think they're going to be good fits. And, okay, maybe they won't get all of those five stars that decommitted um, and, and want to follow Lincoln Riley to USC. Fine. But that's one cycle. It's not permanent. Like it's not continue. And I understand that if you don't correct it, it one cycle turns into two, and two turns into three, and then you have a problem. I get that. But with the rumor of someone like a Brett Venables coming by, that's someone that can get people behind there. That's someone that can that can really help and and that can stabilize the situation here. I, I think Oklahoma is doing the right thing by taking a bit of time, doing their due diligence. Um, getting together a plan, getting together who they want. Um, and if it is Brent Venables, I think it's fantastic. I think that's that's a fantastic move. It's a man that has that has deserved a head coaching job for far too long. Um, and I think he he's a good recruiter and and he and he clearly has the pedigree and people respect him. I mean, I mean, how often is it that every casual sports fans know who a coordinator at a college football program's sure. name is? You know, so- it, not often. So, so I, I think, yes, it's definitely going to hurt them. Um, obviously, it'd be better if Lincoln Riley was there and they still had these recruits and the, the machine was still chugging. But I don't think it's going to hurt them to the point where, to the extent that you think it'll hurt them, um, at least not in the short term, um, and I yeah, hope I think, not in the long term. I think term. that's a to be determined. Uh, honestly, we, that's just going to be an agree to disagree. Like, I mm-hmm. I think this is, like, way too big. And like Yeah, yeah, that's fine. And that's the thing. I can, I can 100% see your version of things playing out like that's it's everything's on the table everything's on the table with Oklahoma right now. it's a very important time for Oklahoma football because whatever hire they make is going to determine their status when they enter the SEC and are they no offense Borba but are they at the same tier as Texas is right now are they a tier above do they slip even further down I think it's hard right. to happen in the next few years but no, I get you know, it. it's a possibility just, you never tough know situation to be in um yeah there's been rumors of venables going to oklahoma and i haven't really seen that many other names being thrown out besides uh clifford kingsbury uh, i'm calling him clifford don't even know if that's his real name i know he goes by cliff um i think that's <laughs> ridiculous i think he, he was barely qualified for the uh-huh. cardinals job and he's doing well now so why why play with college again cliff you had well it's because okay, he's got he, kyler he Murray. Had patrick mahomes and baker that's mayfield it. and davis webb and he still only managed two winning I will say, but that was in that was in college, and it's very different. You, you both, saying, you and I both know college you're, is. You're succeeding at the you know, job okay. that you were right, underqualified right. at. Don't tempt fate and see. Don't mess with the fire. 
Um, and then I think that's basically the only other big mm-hmm. name. Luke Fickle's kind of been thrown out. He's been thrown out for every job, basically. Um, he said he said his thing. I think I think Luke Fickle is on retainer for the Notre I Dame. Didn't, job, I didn't realize he had such massive ties. Here. I didn't 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 know that. I didn't know that about him. Oh. Oh, so he's, he's got Catholic ties. Oh, does he have Catholic hardcore ties? Hardcore Midwestern Catholic with ties to all the Catholic schools in the Midwest, which was basically Notre Dame, Notre Dame's bread and butter. Um, I kind of want them to go with Marcus Freeman, their defensive mm-hmm. coordinator, who Brian Kelly's trying to poach to LSU. Um, I think that would kind of because mm-hmm. I I like where Notre Dame is at right now. Um, I think with Freeman, it would only elevate them a little more than Brian Kelly. I think it'd be a record. I, mm-hmm. I think that's a history higher too. I don't know if he's, they've ever had a black coach. I don't want to speculate, but I don't remember their. I don't, I don't think they have, but again, I don't want to confirm that. Have you heard the, in the garage podcast? It's a podcast of four Notre Dame players. Oh yes. Yeah, I, um, current Notre Dame players. Have you, you heard that podcast? When you were, when you scared me before we were recording. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, um they had an emergency podcast that came out today or yesterday everything's everything's happening Mm -hmm. so quickly i lose track but it came out recently and they basically had like a live reaction to the um to the brian kelly news and they were stumping hard for their defensive coordinator they really want him to get a shot he he's very beloved in that locker room and i agree with you i I think he is right i think he is a future head coach i think he's gonna have great success at a program um I just don't know. To me, it's it's one of those two. It's Luke Fickle or what's his name? Williams. What's oh, his, the uh, defense coordinator? Marcus what's Freeman. his name? Marcus Freeman. I'm so sorry. Um, it, it's either Marcus Freeman or Luke Fickle to me at Notre Dame because of those ties. Notre Dame is a very specific job. You need a very specific type of person to um, to be there. Uh, that's why it was so shocking that Brian Kelly left because he was yeah. perfect for Notre Dame. Um, but yeah, man, I, I like both of those Marcus Freeman or I like Luke fickle. I wouldn't mind either one. Um, I think they would both fit and I think they would both do well Just a fact in that, in that position. Um, Notre Dame has had a black coach before it was, um, Mario or excuse me, Tyrone Willingham in 2002, 2004. So mm-hmm. sorry, sorry for that. Okay. Almost right. misinformation. Thank you for the fact check. Didn't Thank you for the fact one, check. So, um, I think Freeman's kind of the right hire. Um, I think Luke fickle. Honestly, Cincinnati mm-hmm. is turning into a dream job, if you will, <laughs> because well, Cincinnati is going to be a power five job even, in two yeah, years. Well, two years because of their contract obligations. Um, that mm-hmm. I, I don't know if Notre yep. Dame is worth the risk. I think if he's that like that much into his Catholic ties and stuff, like that's up to him. Like we don't know that stuff, but I think Cincinnati. Right. And, 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 and that's a thing where if they offer to him, there have been many reports by respected college football journalists that the shortlist for Luke Fickle jobs that he wants is Ohio State and Notre Dame. And one yeah. of those two jobs just came open. And you don't know when one of those two jobs is going to come open anytime soon. So maybe he, you know, maybe he jumps at it. Um, maybe he, he calls his agent and says, yeah, yeah go make this it'll, happen. It'll be interesting. <laughs> um, um, we it- don't know. It's going to happen. If it does happen, it's going to happen after our next topic, which is the college football playoff. Um, I think as soon as... What a segue, Borba. What a segue. But pat, pat, here we go. Um, As soon as those (laughs) rankings come out, because tonight the rankings came out, and I'm just going to run through the top six because those are the only ones that matter, really. Um, Mm -hmm. I think think number seven matters as well. I think number seven matters as well. Who's number seven? Continue. Continue. Lighten us. 
They matter nothing. Baylor. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, okay. So up first we have Georgia, obvi. Um, that Georgia is if there was ever a lock for the playoff, it would be Georgia. Um, number seven number seven is actually Ohio State, you mm-hmm. slut. Uh, <laughs> Baylor's Ooh, at number so nine. Uh, so no sorry. worries. Um, they bumped Baylor. They're oh, they're nine. nine I thought they were seven. Oh, they man. barely beat Texas Tech, which they had their backup. And they're expected to be without their starting quarterback again against Oklahoma State unless something happens. Um, so we got Georgia at one, mm-hmm. Michigan at two, which Michigan at two is – I love that for them. Um, I don't think I've ever – Well, I mean they have the best, right. they have the best win in the country. For another program right? to beat their biggest rival. Like that was – that game was insane. Um, Aiden Hutchinson mm-hmm. showed up, showed out. Um, the shade that's been thrown after the game is hilarious. Like you knew it was coming. Um, and then we have Bama at three, who narrowly escaped Auburn. Which, like, I who who was the back or the third string quarterback? Because he can't be as bad as T.J. Finley was. Like, who is he? Because T.J. Finley was like actively <laughs> throwing the game. I'm convinced he had money on Alabama. I I I was so frustrated watching this game because the entire time I could think, all I could think of was, man, if Bo Nix played in this game, they would have won. They would have won this football game if Bo Nix played. And I would have been right, and I would, I was calling it for months. I was saying it, man. I was like, listen, I think Bo Nix could beat Alabama this year, this and that, blah, 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 blah. And it would have happened, and we didn't. Their we were robbed. Defense, we were robbed of it. Coached we by robbed. Derek Mason, former Vanderbilt coach. Um, that was a great performance. But, but Oh, Mason can, right. can coach a defense. The defense was never the problem at Vandy. It was right. the but lack like, of talent. The, the fact that if TJ Finley could have, like, carved at least one scoring drive together like a touchdown oh oh imagine i know i know i'm not gonna know he's a he's a division one athlete and he's doing his best um so we had bam at three cincinnati at four (laughs) which honestly i think this i think took care of business but i'm gonna be honest i think if Oklahoma State wins against Baylor and it's like convincing, I think Cincinnati gets bumped. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I just have a feeling. So, so, so here's the thing. Here's the thing with that, right? I can see a world where that happens. I think for Cincinnati to stay in the top four, they need Georgia to just absolutely dominate Alabama. Like, make no, no question. They need Georgia to dominate Alabama, and then they need. Um, Oklahoma State to right. like sneak by Baylor. I think if those two things happen and they take care of business against Houston, which by the way, it's that's not, not going to be an easy game. The Houston game is not going to be up. an easy game. If they can beat Houston and if Georgia can dominate Bama and if Oklahoma State barely beats Baylor, if it's a close game, then I can see Cincinnati kind of being comfortable in that four spot. You would have a you would have a top four of Georgia, Michigan, um, on honestly, Cincinnati maybe at three and Oklahoma State at four. I if think, that's the situation, I don't want to overlook if Alabama that's the situation because it's Nick Saban, and I feel like we're all just assuming that Georgia's going to wipe the floor with Alabama. Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm definitely not assuming not that. You in I'm definitely not assuming that. We as a society, no, no, I know. I know. <laughs> we as a society are just assuming that Georgia's about to destroy Alabama, and I think we're sleeping way too hard on Nick Saban and. The worst thing that could happen to Cincinnati is Alabama wins. Because if Cincinnati mm-hmm. doesn't blow out Houston, 
or it's an even remotely close game, the, the committee is going to screw them. Like it's it just it is what. It is. Listen, Georgia's Georgia's in. Oh, Win or lose, are. Georgia's in. It's a matter of their seeding. Yeah, it. I just I hope Cincinnati makes it, but this is interesting. I hope Alabama loses. Like I've never wanted them to lose more than now, just because if they lose, we will have three teams that have never been in the college football playoff before make their first appearance, and that'd be insane. Um, at, at five, we have that Oklahoma State, good. and then six cool. Notre Dame, which I kind of figured. If anything were to happen with the Brian Kelly, I kind of figured he would wait until after he knew what their fate is, but I guess not. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but I think I think he knew. Which I mean, I think he here's knew. what happened: if all he needs is Oklahoma State to lose, and then if Cincinnati loses or plays Houston close, Notre Dame can't get better or worse. Like they are where they at. So wherever the committee sees them right now, that's where they're at. And the committee, I don't know if you were watching, mm-hmm. they said that Brian Kelly not, and not being there as a factor in their decision. They said they could factor in coaches and players not being there. And so I think that. I mean, they, they can do whatever they want. They can, they can literally do whatever they, they want. I think they were just establishing that with the population. So that way people knew. Um, that, that's pretty crazy. So I yeah. think. How do you think it's shaping up? Let, let's do our conference predictions, conference championship predictions, because that's going to okay. shape our, our final four, really. Um, also, breaking news. Mm-hmm. Jake Hayner, Fresno State legend, has hit the portal. Really? Maybe he's going okay. back to UW to follow his coach. He he was a UW. Could hey they do need a, means... they need a quarterback? Okay, so we're, they need a quarterback. We're starting off with the big That's 12. Not a bad idea. We got Baylor and Oklahoma State. Um, I'm going to go with Oklahoma State. Baylor has me concerned. I know it's hard to beat the same team twice. Whatever. I think Gary Bohannon. If Gary Bohannon's healthy. I could see it possibly being a Baylor win, but I think Oklahoma State gets this one. Um, I also agree. I think Oklahoma State wins this game. I think that a um, future Florida Gator defensive coordinator, Jim Knowles, um, who's currently coordinating the Oklahoma State defense, has done a fantastic job. Uh, He has basically turned a group of ragged Oklahoma boys that nobody wanted into the third, maybe second best defense in the country um, in a, in a passing league in an offensive league that the big 12 is. So um, I think they're, they're just too good. They're, they're too good and, and right. good for them. Good for the Cowboys. This good, good for, good for the pokes. This is gonna um, be a defensive they, battle. they deserve it. It's going to be a defensive battle. I'm sorry. The last score was oh, 24 yeah. to 14 Oklahoma yeah. state. Um, we all know it's mm-hmm. hard to beat the same team twice, but it becomes a little bit easier when, that other team's quarterback is either injured or and like wounded and playing, or he's just out. Um, because if they, this sucks for Baylor too, because it was that was the same thing that happened to them last year with Charlie Brewer. He got a massive concussion in the game, and it was like, right. all right, so, well, now what do we do? Tough, tough break. So um, at least they know the guy Baylor. Dave Aranda for now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we head out west to a game that doesn't yep. really influence. Paul. That's another guy. Why didn't LSU go after Aranda? Like. Got, LSU, man, just listen. I, I respect it. I, I, I think they ended up with a good coach, good. but I, I just, I can't wait for Billy Napier to bite them <laughs> in the butt, like when Florida starts doing well, and then, but Louisiana, we had Billy Napier right in our backyard, and we let him walk on over to Florida. That's Are you good. kidding me? Are you kidding me? How do we let him go, Paul? Oh, how not, do we let the, him go? Not the Paul fine bomb Can't wait for the fine bomb uh, <laughs> So now that takes us out west to the mountain. <laughs> 
I also, I'm sorry. I know, I know, I'm interrupting you, but like, I also can't wait uh-huh. since we're on the fine bomb bit. I also can't wait for uh, Brian Kelly to do something that's like so un Louisiana, and we get these calls of like, "This Yankee don't know the South, Paul. How do we let? How do we go up and hire some Yankee from yeah. Notre Dame?" Be interesting. Paul. Brian Kelly's uh, not so a cultural good. fit at all, but that's what they need. Never, Ed, never change Louisiana. Never ever change. Like, how did that turn out? They sold their they sold their soul for a championship, oh, yeah. and then it went bad. Um, <laughs> So the Mountain West, we got San Diego State <laughs> taking on Utah State. Um, I'm going to go with San Diego State. Their quarterback situation concerns me because every time I watch them, they have a different one. Um, I just It just concerns me a little bit, but their defense is really good. Um, the only concern I have is that if Utah State gets the ball flowing, like if they're, they're hucking that thing down the field like I know they will, um, San Diego State offense is not really equipped to shoot out with them. But I'm going to go – I'm going to ride with the, the Aztecs. Yeah. That that's not how they're going to win, though. They're going to win because they have a really good defense, arguably right. the best defense yeah. in the Mountain West, and they have the best player in college football by the name of Matt Ar- Areza. <laughs> not- uh, You're right. The I mean, best punter on earth. So, come on. The offense doesn't just barely has to do things. They're going to flip field position perfectly, right. and they have a fantastic defense. They're bound to get a couple if, field goals. This, come on, dude. It's going to happen. If this was San like Diego State, give me the answer. or something. They'd, San Diego State would probably punt every time they were on their own, like like past their own fifty. Like they would punt it every time. Like, and they'd be like a top seventeen yes, because um, the voters would love wait, it. Did you, are you going San Diego State solely because <laughs> of their punter? The, uh, the combination of the the ability to flip field position so well with the punter and a really good defense. They they have a really good defense, a right, top right. twenty defense in the country. And I think the best defense in the in the um, San Diego State. My day job required me to do a bunch of research on all the conference championship games, so I'm quite familiar with with the. Sorry, this you broke up. All right I heard now. is that you're picking them because of the punter, and that's all I'm going to care about. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> up next, we have your guy Billy Napier's Louisiana taking on App State, who they absolutely throttled in their first meeting. Like we we projected that as a game of the mm-hmm. week, and we both picked Louisiana to win, but we did not expect them to win forty-one to thirteen. Do you think they throttle? You know, it's 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 so nice to have the Florida Gators back in a championship game. It's just so nice for the Gators to for me to have a team to root for on conference championship week. It's so great to to have one. Um, No, you're right. We did not see that coming. We did not see that throttling coming. But are you are you asking me to pick against my head football coach, William one one William Napier, one One Billy Napier? Borba, scare money don't make money, baby. Scare money don't make money. I, I think Louisiana gets the dub and they send Billy out on. Well, I don't know if he'll leave after this game. That's mm-hmm. to be determined. Um, but they'll send. No, no, he will. He will. It's the press. The press conference at Florida's. Con- <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, we gotta get. He's gotta get on the recruiting trail, my friend. Um, the press conference is scheduled for oh, Monday Sunday um, afternoon oh, okay. in Gainesville. So he's going afterwards. But hey, I just want to point out all these coaches are leaving. Lincoln Riley's leaving in the middle of the night. Uh, Brian Kelly's having his players go to a 7 a.m. meeting for 11 minutes. Billy Napier's staying the week, coaching a conference championship game, leaving the right way. Your, Your coach, my coach would never. My coach would, would like never abandon his if players. If this counts as a championship for Florida, then last year's Alabama championship counts as a championship for Texas. So hook them, baby. No, no, no. It doesn't, it doesn't count as a championship for Florida, but it, it counts as a, oh, I have okay, a rooting yeah, interest yeah. this weekend. And I'm... I'm going to be watching the Sun Belt Championship game much closer than sure. I would have okay. in years prior. So speaking of my coach's former job, um, Alabama, they will be taking on Georgia. 
Um, mm-hmm. If Alabama loses the route of the playoff, essentially, um, that's that's what it comes down to. Yeah, uh, I'm going with Georgia. I think this is this might be the best defense of all time. I think I think that is a fair statement to, to say. Um, don't don't make me say nice things I'll about pick, Georgia. Please don't I'll just do take it. That don't make me say Georgia nice things we'll about Georgia. Um, <laughs> and then we have Houston at Cincinnati. This one concerns me. Um, I. I'm I'm calling for the upset. I, I hate to be that guy, but I think Cincinnati's gonna work this hard to get this far and their season's gonna collapse in front of their faces. Like I just I just have a feeling. I just I hate to- Yeah. Listen, this that's that's definitely something that can happen and Belk is doing a great job. Another option yes, for sir. defensive coordinator for Florida. Um the Houston defensive coordinator, he's doing a great a great job there with Houston. And um hey. Dana Holgerson, man. But flying under the radar this season, they, they're ten and one. Their only loss was against eleven and one. Sorry, their only loss was against Texas Tech, and they were leading in that right. game by a couple scores. Um, so they could very well be twelve and zero with a Power Five victory under their belt. This is a good game. This is going to be be a fantastic game. These teams, excuse me, these teams did not play during the regular season, so it's the first matchup between them. Um, I'm going to go Cincinnati just because I really like, I think that defense is one of the best in the country. Um, I think the experience of Desmond Ritter is very important in a situation like this. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll be watching this closely. This is not a, I'm, I'm, I, let me put it this way. I, I'm not, I wouldn't put a bet on this game right now. I would have to watch the game for a bit and put a live line and see what the situation is. This could go either way. Um, I just hope that if Cincinnati wins, the committee can see how good of a game and how good of a team Houston is and not have them just kind of go, oh, well, I mean, like they barely squeaked by Houston. We'll just we'll just have Oklahoma State leapfrog them or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it, it, Houston's a really good team. And I hope that the P5, the power five bias doesn't just, come back. I to feel bite like this is where Cincinnati's season collapses. Um, Dana Holgerson and his hair that's bar- barely hanging on to the side of his head is just He's just destined for chaos. He's got to shave, dude. He's got to shave it off, man. It must have been let it go, Dana. Nice flow back in the day, but it is not anymore. Oh, I, I bet you he had. A, I bet you he was rocking it. But he thinks he thinks he looks like um <laughs> um oh, like yes. like Gundy. That's, that's no, he thinks one. he looks like Gundy. Yeah, that's the problem. Um, on the but on the sides not. and the back, he does. It's just the top where it's not. Um, and then we go to the Big Ten, which mm-hmm. Michigan taking on Iowa. Who was at one point in the? I'm not talking. I'm not talking about this football game. It's Michigan. We're moving forward. I was not a good football team. It's true. This offense is horrendous. This offense is really horrendous. Bad. The only thing that are you kidding Iowa me? Has going for them is the wave to the children in the hospital. Um, this is Michigan's year, lovely, which is lovely, lovely. Which is a lovely uh, thing. This to is do, Michigan's year. Obviously, when they beat Ohio State, <laughs> I just hope they don't have that. Like, they don't get that mm-hmm. big game win high where they're like to focus on the fact that they beat Ohio state and then they just like wet the bed. Um, that would be devastating. <laughs> Listen, everything, everything else is gravy. They beat Ohio state. Harbaugh's good. Everything else is gravy. I think they're going to win the big 10. It's going to be great in the trophy cabinet. It's going to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to make the playoff. Uh, depending on who they get matched up with, they could make the national championship game because they're not, if they win and Georgia wins, they're not going to match up with Georgia in the first round. So they'll at least make it to the, to the championship game, depending on who they get matched up with. That's pretty good for last offseason when people were right. saying is Jim Harbaugh going to get fired. Pretty, pretty good, pretty good turnaround, if you ask me. I also want to point out, I also want to point out Jim Harbaugh, very good person, um, donating all of his bonus money to 
um, employees that work at the University of Michigan um, who had to have their salaries cut back for COVID the year prior, um, all of his bonus money will be donated and going towards those people there, which is fantastic. He gets, I believe, if he makes the playoff, it's going to be $2 million worth of bonuses with the ability to get more if he makes the national title game um, because there's a um, championship game appearance bonus. There's a winning the championship game bonus. There's a making the playoff bonus, uh, making the semis bonus, all that kind of stuff. So all that bonus money, I think if he if they win this weekend and they make it to the playoff, it's a minimum of $2 million in bonuses that will be donated to the employees of the University of Michigan that had to get a pay cut due to COVID. So really good person Shout alert. Out. Shout out Jim Harbaugh. He's a Michigan man doing it the Michigan way. Hey man, and I really do respect. Not everybody's willing to give away a million bucks, so shout out to him. Um, this two million dollars. <laughs> this, this next one is honestly, I I don't know. It's Pitt versus Wake Forest, um, number fifteen and number sixteen in the rankings. <laughs> um, at one point, Wake Forest was mm-hmm. like playoff contender ish. Uh, they were like hovering around number ten. They, they were undefeated, but like nobody believed in them, and then they ended up losing two games, so we rightfully did not believe in them. Taking on Pitt, who at one point was the top team <laughs> in the ACC. Kenny Pickett was the top Heisman candidate at one point. Kenny Pickett is third in the Heisman. I mean, I could, um, I could see why. He has 4,000 yards, right 40 touchdowns. Um, he's thrown seven interceptions, which isn't bad at all. Uh, I think this might be a great game. I think it's going to be a game that I'll probably watch for like a five minutes or 10 minutes. I don't know. Um, I just, I'm, I'm, I want to go with Wake Forest. That's what, that's what my heart's telling me. So I'm going with my heart. I, for the bit, I have to take Pitt because if anyone has ever read my gambling rules, uh, rule number five is just Pitt in all caps. And what I mean by that is, Pitt is one of the craziest teams that you can watch in college football. They will they will beat one of the best teams in the country one week, and they'll lose a game they shouldn't the following week. This season, though, they've had a couple of those moments, right? They shouldn't have lost to Miami. Um, but they, for the most part, have been doing well. They made it to the championship game. They have a, they have a chance to win the ACC. I... Would love it for Pitt to win the ACC. I think Kenny Pickett deserves his flowers. He's been there for about 47 years. Give the man his ACC championship game. Give Pat Narduzzi the ACC championship game. Fantastic uniforms. I'm going to go with Pitt, and I hope they prove me right here. Even though Dave Clawson and the claw fence is nothing to mess with. There will be points in this game. There will be points in this game. Believe that. uh, From Wake Forest, uh, former QB1, all the lights or on the lights, whatever that show was on Netflix. Kenny Pickett is three he years away from getting his doctorate, so he might as well figure out how to get some eligibility and just go for it because he's been here for five <laughs> years. He could probably he could probably use. I don't know, man. He might, he might get drafted might. next year off the season alone. He I'm might. not saying it's the right decision, he might. but I the think, man might get drafted. So, with all that being said, I think that means our playoff would shake up to be Oklahoma or Georgia at one, Michigan at two, Oklahoma State, and then your choice of Cincinnati or Notre Dame at four, depending on what happens with Cincinnati. Well, I said Cincinnati losing, so I think Notre Dame I think is slide up there. Right. Correct. I, I think Cincinnati's winning, so I'll put Cincinnati there because I think if you have those two, I think Notre Dame would be the first team out. 
Um, and it's honestly the only way that a group of five team could probably make it, right? The team that they beat is fifth and you are fourth. You went undefeated. That team only lost one game and it was to you. I think you got to go with those, you know, those rules. Everything will work itself out. We say that a lot during the season. Um, uh, so yeah, that's, that's my belief. I, I think it's Georgia one, Michigan two. Um, I think they'll jump Oklahoma state three and then Cincinnati four. We'll get Georgia Cincinnati in the first game. That'll probably be down here in the Orange Bowl because Georgia will have the choice of location. Maybe we'll see if I can maybe try to go to that game. <laughs> um, and then <laughs> support my Bearcats. Uh, and then um, the other game would be Michigan Oklahoma State, which would be a fun. They're, that would be fun for college football, right? The same team. That would be really fun a for good college defense football. That just... So, can I can I give one last rant before you sign rant off? Away. I know we got to get going. I just want to say that this past weekend was actually really good for college football. And it was also really bad. It, I'll start with the gloomy stuff and then I'll go to the happier stuff. But it was bad because we saw just how much money is involved in college football, yet players are not getting a single cut of that. And I understand the whole thing of amateurism and they're getting a scholarship plus living uh, cost of living expenses. Um, but I think when we're dealing with millions, hundreds of millions of dollars for coaches, plus hundreds of millions of dollars in buyout money across the country, plus hundreds of million dollars of buyouts paid to schools to get them out of contracts, I, I think that we could find a way to get some of the players who this entire thing is built upon um, some of that money and, and a cut of that revenue. So that's the bad part that that's, was highlighted. But I think in terms of competition, it was good. It was really good. I think most importantly, Lincoln Riley, while leaving Oklahoma in probably one of the worst fashions ever, and, and Oklahoma fans and players and administration are rightful, they definitely deserve to be mad at him. I think it's good for the landscape of college football because going out to a, to a team and a program like USC in a conference like the Pac-12, and not only doing that, but choosing to go there over an SEC school is kind of a slap to the fa- in the face to the SEC dominance narrative and all that stuff. And and while I believe that narrative to be true, I also think that there's this kind of self-fulfilling prophecy. My stepdad, Raul, um, has this idea that there's a self-fulfilling prophecy where the more we say the SEC is the best conference, the more we start to believe it, even if it may not necessarily be true. It's kind of like inbreeding. You know, it's like a you te- keep telling yourself this thing, and so then it has to end up being true. I think Lincoln Riley kind of turning away from that, choosing to do something else, have a you know, a different quality of life and making different decisions in his career based on a multitude of things on and off the field. I think it's a big deal. I think him going to the Pac-12 brings attention out there and, and we start to build up the Pac-12 and have more have a more national product rather than just being, oh, it's the SEC and then there's like a team, maybe two from the other conferences and then that's all we got for college football. It's good that college football gets diverse. It's good that they're spread out over the entire country and across a bunch of different levels. It's good that guys like Dave Aranda are staying at Baylor. It's good that guys um, like Luke Fickle at the moment are staying at Cincinnati. It's it, I want this health for the sport top to bottom because I know you are like me, Borba, and and you know we have friends like this as well, but not everyone believes this, but college football upon all levels is fantastic, you know? Um, and I think it's important for us to highlight it and Lincoln Riley moving to the Pac-12 and choosing the Pac-12 in a program like USC there um, instead of a program like LSU, quote, a quote unquote better program in the eyes of a lot of people, I think speaks volumes to 
the future health of the competition think, within the sport. I think that was you know? all 100% correct. I think Lincoln Riley going to the Pac-12 kind of restores faith that maybe those super conferences aren't going to happen anymore because I was always anti-super conference, still right. am, um, and I'm hopeful that we still kind of have some normalcy in college football um, and some more parity. I, I think we're still heading in that direction, but I think that this is changing our pers- perspective of what a good conference is considered. You know, if if USC can lift the Pac-12 up more, that's going to be good, whether even if it's just in the short right. term, you know, it's going to be good for the, the sport. The sport has a huge week coming up, and we'll keep you guys covered, as we always do, because this is the Telegraph Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Borba. He's Cedro de la Esperia, and we will see you guys next week. You catch us on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get your podcast. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube